Today on Jam Session, we're talking about our shared passion. There's really only one true shared passion. Don't say what it is and see if people can guess if they're loyal Jam Session listeners. I guess it's also in the title. So we spoiled it. Okay, it's Ben Affleck. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We're just going to talk about Ben Affleck today. I mean... Is there ever a day where you don't want to talk about Ben Affleck? No, me personally, no. Possibly the other people listening don't want to talk about him as much as we do. I would say like if I had to describe all of like my podcasts and and work and personal interests, like the unifying theme that ties it all together is Ben Affleck. So that's that's a startling thing to realize uh, on an early weekday morning. I love Ben Affleck a lot. And he's been doing a lot of media um, tied to award season, I guess, which I Mm want to dig into. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a result, there's a lot of fodder. And I said to our colleague, Jeff Chow, it's a great time to be a Ben Affleck fanatic because there's Mm -hmm. so much Ben Affleck content. Um, But my favorite Ben Affleck content remains from the year 2006, which led me this morning to do my favorite Google image search, which is Ben Affleck 2006. And then all the photos of him and Jennifer Garner with little Violet just walking down the streets of Los Angeles. Dad, new dad Ben Affleck is definitely my favorite Ben, but I love all Bens and we we're really getting the full range. So let's just dig in. I'll just say like the two source materials here, really one of them is um, the Hollywood Reporters award season podcast called Award Chatter hosted by Scott Feinberg, I believe. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Ben Affleck was on it for a full 70 minutes discussing his um, filmography and it was all building to talking about the way back, which he was in almost a year ago that came out. Yes. It was one of the last movies I saw it in a screening room and not in theater, but it was, 
I, I don't know if it was actually released in theaters or whether it was like the week. And I then think it, it was, was it like, but it but was like a la- one of the last movies to be released. Yeah. And it was one of the first to be available on, on VOD. I haven't watched it. I have to say though, I love Ben Affleck, like more than most people I know. I'm not like really dying to see his movies. Cause I don't, I don't know. Like I love, I love the man Ben Affleck and I don't really care about his work that much, which is definitely weird. <laughs> the way back is a very, I found it to be a very difficult watch, which is not to say that it's bad at all. I think that it it's his performance is very good and it's just, it's about addiction and it, he is like leaning into a lot of issues that he has been struggling with in his recent life. And he talks about that on the podcast and he talks about that in the making of the, um, all the pieces about the making of the way back. Like he, um, I believe pretty quickly went from a treatment center to the way back set. And this was like very much a part of the process of his recovery. Um, so it's, you can see a lot of that and I, I, admire the honesty. And, you know, he talks again about the, on the podcast about his recovery and how difficult it is. And I, I like really admire that. Um, but you know, it's hard. These are tough issues and it's can be really uncomfortable to watch him going through it, which in a lot of ways means it's a good performance. Is it like an uplifting movie? It's a little uplifting at the end. Um, it, you know, it, it does have some sports movie elements, but you know, I understand if you are not in a place in your 2021, lockdown life to, to be watching this one. I'm not, that sounds way too intense. I just, just want to watch interviews with Ben Affleck, but, um, we both listened to this pod and he and Matt Damon are like, I think one of the reasons we love them and Matt Damon, obviously I think is uh, more complicated at this point than Ben Affleck though. I still like both of them. Um, they're really gracious as celebrities in a way that's like pretty unusual. Like I, I have, um, an, an insatiable appetite for Ben and Matt as teens and kids stories. Um, so I'll never tire of them, but they do tell the same stories like a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like nice because if I were them at this point, like, you know, I think Goodwill Hunting was what, 1997. Um, yeah. So we're coming up on, we're, com- we're, we're on 25 years of Goodwill hunting and they're still having to talk about like their friendship and how they used to walk on Pearl street and how they both started with the same acting teacher and like all this stuff. And they still tell the stories with glee. And I found that to be like incredibly endearing and just like really, um, interesting. I'm curious how calculated you think that is. It's sort of like approved material versus like, they just really love each other. So they're like, okay, with talking about it. I think it's a thousand percent approved material, but that doesn't mean that they don't like really love each other. And, you know, we can talk about kind of the managed Ben Affleck content of the last few weeks. And then also the, the paparazzi content, which continues. And, you know, some of the, I'm receiving Dunkin' Donuts deliveries while balancing packages, photographs, um, they're both incredibly invasive. We've talked about how weird it is that paparazzi are just like hanging out outside of, uh, people's houses, which, you know, I think they probably always have been doing that. And maybe it's just the lockdown of it all that we've been trying to think a bit more uh, aggressively about the context of it, but they're just, they are just hanging out in people's homes. And on the one hand, like Ben Affleck really should be able to get Dunkin' Donuts at his home without people taking a bunch of photographs. I, I would not be surprised if he's not like aware of the content around all the photographs. He does seem to be, uh, 
like the the amount of Dunkin' Donuts that's being delivered to his home every day, like is increasing in so a way. Is Dunkin' being delivered to his home? I don't know. Or maybe he's going to pick up Dunkin'. I think he's going to get Dunkin'. This is my okay. reading on the on this now infamous photo where he's like balancing his coffee and five different packages, like four of which I think are from Amazon, which who can't relate. Yes. Yeah. Um, my interpretation of this photo, and I, I dug into it with our colleagues, Liz and Kate, and my, the aforementioned Jeff Chow over text. I think he went to get his coffee, as we, we know is his want. I mean, the, as I was Googling Ben Affleck 2006, I was like, oh, right. He was doing coffee photos in 2006 as well with Starbucks cups. The man loves to go get a coffee and boy, do I relate. Um, and so I thought that he went to go get his coffee and then because it was raining, which is not common in Los Angeles, he was like quickly trying to get his packages inside. So they didn't get wet because we were discussing why does Ben Affleck have to bring in his own packages? Like, doesn't he have an assistant or like someone who like works at his house to do that? And my thought was it was, it was forced by the rain because he, this, he didn't want his, his boxes to get soggy, which again, who can't relate. He's also in a transitional phase of his life and who's living in his home. So perhaps, you know, and I think yeah. he has been taking lockdown seriously. So who knows? Um, perhaps, perhaps the number of people in the home are d- diminished right now. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I brought all of that up to say that while I, <laughs> these pictures are invasive, like we talk about them. I think you and I, and everyone does take joy from them. They are invasive, but I do also think he's like aware of it. And part of the reason yeah. I think that he's aware of it is the way that he speaks about celebrity on this podcast. And really anytime he gives an interview, it's a very old school version by old school. I mean, like 15 years ago when yeah. you and I were growing up, which is so depressing, but like, I don't know here, here we are. All we can do is be aware of it, but it's even, there's a section in the podcast when he talks about his relationship with Jennifer Lopez and how that was covered. And it's, it's amazing that he just speaks with such, um, passion and respect for Jennifer Lopez. And is also like the, it was a racist, sexist media. I was going to um, say that that section was awesome yes. because Ben Affleck's values are obviously just instinctive for him. And yes. in an era where like values are performed so much more often than held and felt, I like just loved the sort of ease with which he explained how he felt about that without it being like a platform. Yes. And he was also speaking from like having obviously been through a lot of it, though not in the same way that Jennifer Lopez did, but from just an understanding of how all this works. And before he was explaining the fascination with their relationship and he starts explaining like the transition of us weekly from the nineties to the 2000 and it becomes less of an interview and more of a tabloid. And he like kind of did media studies in the middle of it, which I, you know, that's God, I love Ben Affleck and also God, I love media studies about celebrities, like, especially in this era. So that was very exciting. I think that was when I was texting you like every five seconds and you had not, you're not listening to the podcast at the moment. So those texts were really useless. And I just want to say thank you. Thanks for being a friend. Of course. Um, thank you for being exactly. Yeah. But I, I do think that he understands at least how a certain celebrity works and he knows that he, he, he knows it's performance. It. He knows that he's got to have the anecdotes. He knows that are kind of like self-effacing, like um, and self-deprecating, but also making fun of Matt Damon is a is a thing that works. He knows how to be just forthcoming enough, you know, without while still having some 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 boundaries. And 
He knows like when to give a specific, he knows when to drop a name. Um, there's like, there's one anecdote in the, uh, the podcast where he identifies some producer by name who wrote something that he just like, didn't really feel was necessary or didn't really say it was necessary. Uh, and like, you can hear him deciding, okay, this is the person I'm going to air out. Cause I just feel like it, but everything else he's just, he's hitting his marks. And I, I think that's a skill, honestly. And I do think part of the reason that you and I like Ben Affleck so much is because he's, he's good at being a celebrity, which is like, and, and a specific old school type of charming celebrity, which like Clooney is another example of just like knows how to tell the anecdotes, knows how to be charming, then everybody goes on their way. Uh, so that's really appealing to us, uh, you know, but then there's also all this other stuff that's clearly going, you know, like all of the movies that he makes and, you know, the other aspects of his personal life that are kind of bubbling under the surface and he gives you just enough access to that you're like, oh, I'd like to know more. Um, it's, it's, it's a masterful performance, I would say. Also, he, I, I think he's talking about his, um, his addiction more openly. And he's certainly never shied away from it. And he's like, I think feels a lot of moral responsibility, like in his life. Maybe I'm just projecting. I hope that Ben Affleck feels a lot of moral responsibility. I think he does, but I do think he's just talking about it more openly. I'm sure doing the way back, he knew that would be part of the conversation. So I think it's also just interesting hearing that. Also, I think in recent years, Casey Affleck has also talked about like the family, like, like sort of, they both have talked about their father being an alcoholic and Casey's also, I, I think kind of famously on Mark Marin talked about this as well. And just sort of like interesting, um, kind of like how, as they've evolved in the public eye, like what they're willing to share and what they have like kind of decided to share. Cause I think that's one thing that just feels, um, as you, you kind of alluded to this already, like there's a lot that Ben Affleck and probably like his close friends and his brother have decided like, is okay to have out there. And then there's other stuff. That they're just like, that's private. That's for us. Which like, I just find that notion that even that like we could even feel that way, like intensely appealing as far as like celebrities go. Like, I, I love the idea that there's like a group that's like, this is what we're sharing this is what we're not. It reminds me of like an NBA team, honestly, where they're just sort of like, there's some stuff that stays like players only and some that we're willing to talk to the press. And like, I don't know. I just find that concept also very old school compared to like the sway boys of TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say some of it is also just, it's both generational and also like personal preferences. That yeah. to me seems like good boundaries in life. And then, you know, and in most relationships, you you can't just, I, I personally, as a person who struggles with uh, intimacy as we have all, you know, or vulnerability as has been much discussed every time anybody sings, I just, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, this is uh, too much insight into your life. But I, like boundaries are good. You got to know who to share <laughs> with, who not to share with, how much people want to know. And I think a lot of my um, confusion at a different and often younger generation of celebrity or just way of being online is just the kind of, I'm putting everything out there and I find it overwhelming. So I agree with you that I'm drawn to people who are kind of making those distinctions that I think like I would like to have everyone make all of the time. That's just like being a good human to me. But I, I do also wonder, cause you know, I do try to think about kind of like ethics and celebrity. We both do. God, that sounds so highfalutin when I say it. But the thing about a celebrity who's just like, I'm going to tell you everything 
is that they are at least making the choice to tell you everything. And yeah. it, like they are saying, okay, like this, this is in bounds. Like you can know about this. And there is, when people are saying this is public and this is private, um, it does create the impulse from all of us to just like want to know the private stuff. I mean, we're all human beings, right? Like that's, there's, I only read the first 40 pages of humans, that book, but it does talk about how like the gossip instinct is what makes us all humans, by the way, like read the book yourself if you're going to follow up on that, because I'm not an expert, but <laughs> like, <laughs> but this idea that you, you, you do want to know more things. I, I, I can't fault. Maybe I should fault myself more for it, but like, we're all human, but I do sometimes wonder if the other way though, it makes me feel uncomfortable is perhaps the more responsible or respectful way to be interested in celebrity. I don't know. Yeah. I think like, so the other sort of like source material, which I I watched yesterday is um, Ben Affleck interviews Sasha Baron Cohen for a variety's um, actor on Aster series on YouTube, which there's a a lot this year, more than, Mm -hmm. more than usual, I think because it's easier to do with the zoom situation. Um, I just want to pause to say Ben Affleck does his portion from like what must be his home office, but it looks like an office from six feet under. Like, I'm just like, is he in a mortuary? <laughs> like, is he in a basement? I think there's a massage table behind him, but it looks like where they used to embalm the bodies on six feet under. It's very confusing. Also, as I think about it, there's definitely a lot of commonalities between Nate from six feet under and Ben Affleck in real life. Um, and uh, he's talking to Sasha Baron Cohen, who looks like he is in an Airbnb. It's probably just like a corner of his house. And he designated like the interview room, but it has like a black and white photograph next to him that you're just like, was that in a hotel? And you just like stole it. Like what's going on here. And so it's just really funny. It's like Sasha Baron Cohen couldn't be more generic and Ben Affleck couldn't be like more confusing. And they just have like very different frequencies. And it's like, but Ben Affleck is like so excited to be interviewing SBC about all of his characters and like how he pulled off Borat and like all this stuff. It's, I fucking loved it. I'm not to step on our next segment, but I do actually think that Sasha Baron Cohen could be an Airbnb. And I do also think that there is even a lockdown trend of people who are doing junkets and promoting things are in like a hotel room or mm. in a junket or like a, a separate privacy. space. I think privacy, I think like probably some amount of like health and safety stuff. Mm. Um if, especially if you, if there are like a crew involved, I don't really know. I'm basing this primarily on the fact that when Q Grant was doing his undoing junket, he was in a hotel room, which he like said uh, during the interviews, uh, <laughs> it had some nice curtains that anyway, sorry, can we take a quick Hugh Grant detour? Sure. Go for it. Did you see him retweeting Elizabeth Hurley like a little while ago? No, but does it have to do with the fact that Elizabeth Hurley's been doing her bikini photos, which she does because she looks fantastic and also she sells bikinis, I believe. And then Piers Morgan had nothing better to do and so started yelling at her. Okay, let me read this aloud. Um, It's from January 17th and Elizabeth Hurley tweeted, lockdown has turned me into a demented housewife. 47 jars of marmalade are nesting in my larder and another sack of several oranges await me. And she hosts like these two jars of marmalade and she's like, wearing a push-up bra. There's a lot of cleavage. She looks like a real housewife. She also looks hot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, Hugh Grant, the lo- lover of Twitter, as we know, and former um, boyfriend of Elizabeth Hurley, retweets it, quote retweets it, and just writes Paddington 3. And, Great um, stuff. Hugh Grant, one of the best tweeters we have. I really enjoy his combination 
of dad Twitter, extremely rye British humor Twitter and Brexit or anti-Brexit Twitter. He's just, it's, it's It's incredible. Yeah. Um, Anyway, back to SBC and Ben Affleck. Um, I also just want to note that Sasha Baron Cohen YouTube content is like one of my favorite buckets of content. I mean, I could just go on and on. Like I honestly, we should just do a recurring feature where for like one minute each week, you tell me what weird corner of YouTube you either found or revisited because there's a tremendous amount of like regular stops on the Juliette Littman YouTube tour. My favorite Sasha Baron Cohen related video, obviously number one is the Les Mis um, rehearsal video from the Oscars several years ago where everyone has Obviously added- number one. <laughs> obviously number one. But number two, very close second, is the video he referenced one time on Howard Stern of his Israeli grandmother doing calisthenics in a chair for the elderly. And it's like so funny. Whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll put these in the show. I notes. think that seems great. I just, <laughs> it is I, great. I, again, it's like every time you talk about what you watch on YouTube, I just like, I'm trying to get into the headspace. Like I'm trying to understand where you are, like what you're like now, I'm just going to like click on this video and just watch these things for a while. I don't click on videos. I don't really, I, I, I'm alive in 2021, so I'm going to have to figure it out. But I, it's more just... How do I get to the place of wonder and curiosity with which you greet the internet <laughs> every day? I don't know. I just like, I don't know, Amanda. I just love weird it's YouTube great. content. I just, it's great. I, I'm your number one fan. I am the number one subscriber to Juliet using YouTube. I will say I watched his Ben Affleck slash Baron Cohen video because it was fed to me on my YouTube homepage. Like there you I go. just went to YouTube.com and it was waiting okay. for me. The That's algorithm isn't always the worst. No, it was great. I, I loved it. But um Ben Affleck loves Borat, like, and he loves Ali G, like loves, loves, loves. And so he was like, just interviewing this guy. He just was like asking him questions about how he did it. He was like, how did you fool Rudy Giuliani? Like, how did you actually get into the Trump rally? Like all this stuff. And Sasha Baron Cohen like loves to talk about his craft. Like Sasha Baron Cohen is a very serious man. He is a comedian (laughs) who is like very serious. I think he doesn't seem that fun, but I worship him. I like (laughs) literally worship him. And he was like going into extreme detail about like becoming, playing Trump and like how he like did all this, all these like things that he fakes and whatever. And like, it was riveting and I was riveted because it's like the side-by-side Zoom content. It's like the only Zoom content I really have the tolerance for. And Ben Affleck was like riveted and laughing and he was just like having such a good time. And I was like, I love seeing Ben laugh. Like, it's just like seeing (laughs) a happy family member. If it gets too self-serious, then I don't really love, you know, craft as a, as a word is one where I just like, I know, it's, a, it's a warning sign. sign. Right. But on the flip side, there's nothing better than people who are like, people who are exceptionally talented, like really one of a kind talented. And I do think Sasha Baron Cohen is like just exceptionally talented as a comedian. And I think Ben Affleck is like exceptionally talented as a filmmaker. I like, he has made a lot of great movies Um, and Ben in some good movies and some really bad movies, but a lot more than other people have. But when people who are really good at the thing they do, like start talking about the thing that they do on a really specific level, like sometimes, you know, you see them light up and you kind of just like get a window into like, oh, the genius has logged on. And it's, it's like very, very exciting. I often feel this way when Roger Federer, who is the most boring interview in the world, starts actually talking about tennis. And when he starts talking about the thing he's good at, I'm just like, Oh my God, like a whole person showed up. So it is really exhilarating when people kind of explain how good they are at the thing that they do in part because 
people who are that talented and also like that passionate about what they do, they just get really excited, you know, and you like that energy is communicated. Yeah, no, it's completely true. And also like Ben Affleck was talking about how like Amy Ryan and Jeremy Renner had to like audition for his films and like, like that was like really fascinating too about like hearing him just talk about like the process. That's, this is back on the Hollywood Reporter pod. Like talking about like the process of how he how he makes movies and and whatnot. And I don't know. It just it's it's just like was it's just exciting to like actually hear Ben speak in some ways. It's so funny because like we look at pictures of him all the time. I look at pictures of him all the time. Um, like I googled ones too, as as I mentioned. And so I can almost feel similarly to him as I do with like um the royal family and Megan and Harry, where like when you actually hear them speak, it's like almost a surprise because you have such a conception of who they are in your head based on the photos that you're served on us weekly or the Daily Mail. And so for him to be so animated, literally, um, versus like these sort of like really funny and endearing discombobulated photos outside of his house is like it's a pleasure. I don't know. I just yeah. I love this man. <laughs> I also love this man, but I think the other thing is interesting is that doing a 70 minute podcast where you like talk, even if there are some recycled anecdotes, but where you're trying to be like personable and relatable, that's like new celebrity, right? That's someone from an older generation trying to like, trying to segue. And, and I think most people with the exception as always probably of like Beyonce, though, even Beyonce, you know, didn't like as told to with Vogue and was, it, it shares more personal things, but like all of the old school celebrities are going to have to do this and not all of them will be good at it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's exciting that he was actually good at it. Um, I totally agree. And uh, I don't know. I'm happy to, I'm like, I've moved on from the breakup. I hope everyone's doing okay. But like just this Ben Affleck career content, I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, award uh, season. Uh, I guess it's starting. I didn't know. So can we just talk about award season? This is your sort of your area of expertise. I mean, as, I, as best I can. But you know, maybe we can all set some expect set some expectations that? here. Yeah. Together. Like, why are we doing award season right now? Is this um, like is it for continuity? Is it for nostalgia? Is it for money? Is it to like keep the industry alive? Like, why are we doing award season? I think continuity, which is for money and to keep the industry alive. I mean we don't have to go into it specifically with movies, but like Juliet movies are not in a good place. Yeah. Ben Affleck said that too. Just like, it's like, it's like really bad. Um, and it's really bad for all the obvious reasons as in like most theaters are closed. Um, certainly they are in New York and Los Angeles where you and I are. And I haven't been to a movie theater in almost a year. And it used to be a huge part of my job and also a huge joy in my life, but it's really not about me. It's about the fact that if there aren't theaters, thousands of people lose their jobs, there are no places to distribute the movies. And then why wouldn't you just make a 10 episode series on Netflix instead of a movie? Because people seem to really like the 10 episode series on Netflix, including me, Lupin, please give us more Lupin. Um, but anyway, movies are tough. And so like to the extent that the Oscars are both the most famous awards show and also an advertisement for movies, I think they just have to do it in order to be like, do you remember that movies exist? Yeah. Um, and do you remember that you like movies and also remember that until at least recently movies were kind of the most venerated of like the awards show circuit, if not art itself, um, whether or not movies nominated for Oscars or art or a different conversation that we can have. So I think that's why they're doing it. Also the Academy, the Oscars in particular, how the Academy makes money and the Academy does like a lot of like film history work, which is cool. No one cares about this. And they're building a museum, which will never be done. But so that's why. 
right? We think we got a preview of the museum at last year's Oscars. Yeah, it was correctly. just like a contraction site. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think Tom Hanks was involved. Yes, exactly. I made a lot of fun of it. I don't know when that museum is opening. Um, so I think that's why they're doing it. And as a person who definitely covers the Oscars for work, but also loves them, I've always watched them. Speaking of Matt and Ben and Goodwill Hunting, I still, like, I had a VHS tape of the Oprah appearance that they did. I believe it would have been in early 1998 because they were campaigning for an Oscar. And I think that that's the Oprah on which Matt Damon breaks up with Minnie Driver. And Minnie Driver later was like, I didn't know that we were breaking up until I watched Oprah. I can't, I like might've been a different one, but I, I have always loved the Oscars. So if they want to give us something to talk about, and also there's some good movies. I don't know. You're sure. not excited. You're, no, are you... I'm just smiley thinking about Goodwill Hunting. Matt Damon's really hot in that movie. <laughs> yeah, really good movie. <laughs> and I love Minnie Driver. She's so great. Why didn't she have a better career? I don't know. I think it all went wrong at Circle of Friends. She was in Circle of Friends, right? Great movie. Sure was, yeah. yeah. But like, movie. it didn't work out for Chris O'Donnell and it didn't work out for Minnie Driver. Um, but remember the Ben and Matt like oh, acceptance speech at the Oscars? Yeah, there's, that was like the most unbridled joy I've ever seen. Right. So you don't always get one of those, but like you hope you'll get one of those every year. And so that's why we're doing, that's why they're doing the Oscars. I'm not a member of the Academy, so I'm only speaking for myself on this and I've been given absolutely no say, Okay, um, but that's why. Got it. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S, 
I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, celebrities in general. We both mm-hmm. were noting a phenomenon that's occurring, which is the celebrity spread. Would you like to explain? Yes. So perhaps you have noticed that most of your celebrity content um, that comes like outside of social media uh, that is not Ben Affleck at Dunkin' Donuts is coming from a lot is coming from Australia. Julia, you wanted to throw in that a lot is coming or like is about Miami, even if the people aren't really there yet. And it's just very clear that because there's uh, not a lot of filming in the United States and certainly not in Los Angeles right now, all of the productions have moved elsewhere, which they were already doing, but a lot are in Australia right now. And so now just all of the celebrity content is elsewhere. And it's like, it's an interesting, there's like a global celebrity jet set that is paradoxically more on display now that the rest of the world is still somewhat locked down and, and local. I have um, two sources that I've spoken to in the last week. One mm-hmm. is a real live influencer on TikTok, a very, mm. very popular one, apparently. I didn't really know this, but okay. um, who was like, yeah, I'm moving to Miami. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I think like Florida is like no rules and anything goes. So that, so the young influencers are going there to keep their content alive and also just mm-hmm. like to have fun, which like, you know, I, I support um, being a respectful citizen and participating in public health measures, which does not include anything goes in Florida. That said, I recently had an experience that just like left me um, with an epiphany, which is like, I think it would be a way, 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 way worse to experience this pandemic during your peak social years of your twenties than um, your mid thirties, which we are, because mm-hmm. I just feel like you're just fucking missing out if you can't go to the bar. So I kind of get it, but I don't support it. Um, and then I was talking to someone yesterday who was like, yeah, a lot of people are leaving LA. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, it's very, it's very real, but this, the, the, what kind of reminded me is that Matt Damon was very early to this trend for the last few years. He's been wintering with his good friend, Chris Hemsworth in Australia. Right. And now he's there for one of this, the, like the latest Thor. Thor movie. Yeah. And like Natalie Portman is also there for the Thor movie. I think the Thor movie is a big driver. There's also a production, like a filmed version of the opera Carmen that uh, our friend Paul Meskel from Normal People is in. There is the Elvis biopic from Baz Luhrmann that Tom Hanks is in. If you'll recall, that's Tom Hanks was there a year ago. I believe that like, and then he was one of the first early COVID celebrity COVID cases. Um, and he's doing well, which uh, apparently, uh, and I'm really happy because Tom Hanks is a national treasure. Also, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Isla Fisher went because they didn't want to be in America any longer right. because of Trump. <laughs> Shout out SBC, my man, and Isla Fisher, of course. Um, and I, I just saw what you're saying, like also because of the Thor movie, like all the extended mm-hmm. Marvel people are there, like Chris Pratt, who everyone hates is there as well. Right. Um, I saw a picture of him. He had finished his quarantine and was allowed to golf. And I was like, cool. Um, so like a, a lot of productions are there and a lot of this is production related. And in one way, listen, we have some listeners in Australia. Congratulations to Australia. Like it's, I'm really genuinely glad that you guys seem to have managed this and are being healthy and, and I send you all my best and I'm glad that they can do productions because I like movies, but it's interesting. It's made me reevaluate how I consume celebrity content in some ways. Cause I'm just looking at all these pictures of these famous people 
who are just working elsewhere and seem to be having the time of their lives. And it also is still, I believe, warm and summer like in yes, Australia. And it's, I listen, I live in Los Angeles. I'm lucky weather wise, but I'm feeling the winter thing for real right now. Like I, I just, I have, I have sad. And so I'm looking at all these people and it's just so opposite to my experience or my immediate reality in any way. And I'm just like, I guess I don't care about you as much anymore, which <laughs> I, you know, it's a Kelly I just, Clarkson song. I don't care about you. I'm just kind of like, I like, I can't relate to this. And let's be real. I couldn't relate to any of these super famous, like wealthy jet setting people before. It was not my experience at all, but there's something that is, I guess, both geographically and logistically so removed from where I am. I'm just like, I don't, I don't, okay. Like, I, I hope you guys are really safe and, and healthy and I won't be checking in, but I, I don't know what that's about. Maybe that's just me. I, I think it's also just like a reminder of like the rarefied world that these people live in mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay, so you have found a way to like act like life is normal. You're doing your job, you're playing golf you're hanging with your friends and like you were able to facilitate that because of like the exceptional life that you lead. So, you know, it's definitely like a reminder of like stars. They are not just like us. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Miami and like the influencer scene. I, it's not really a scene I understand quite candidly. Um, but I do think that the sort of like the, like this um, mirage of normalcy on like TikTok is like, dangerous in a way that's like kind of different for like Chris Pratt to be like playing golf or whatever. Cause that is more far-fetched. Plus also there's not, not as much COVID in Australia. So it's just different. Um, and I do think it's like, it's just, it's just like curious to see like how the industry will change more long-term over time, which I do think will happen. I'm just sort of curious about that in general yeah. and, and the way that we like conceive of cities and like the, the, the collective imagination. Yeah. I will say on like all of the Australia stuff has been, it's all communicated to me. And this is primarily not on social media because I am, I'm back taking a step back from social media. Um, but it's communicated to me in terms of like the quarantine rules and the lockdown and people are like, are still wearing masks in certain places. And so there is kind of this apparatus around it in order to communicate. Yeah. Um, the, the expectations, it doesn't really seem like that's happening in the same way in Florida. Um, <laughs> correct. Everything's open in Florida. So I've been told. So. Yeah. I, That's you me. know, be safe. Be I hope everyone's safe and healthy. Yeah. Um, would you like me to tell you about the morass with Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler? Yes, please. Can I tell you what I know? Yes. I'll set the scene. I probably should have pulled up the text of the, the Instagram post, but you can tell me that as well. So I know that I, last week, Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler each posted a picture, the same picture of themselves to their respective social media profiles with a caption that was something to the effect of like 10 years. You like can't unbreak that. And it raised a lot of eyebrows among this small community that knows who those people are about are they community. Jay Cutler, former NFL quarterback and and great meme. What is Jay Cutler smoking or Jay Cutler smoking, whatever it is. And Chrissy Cavallari been on TV for 15 years. That's true. They are famous. They are probably like more famous than Paul Mescal of normal yeah, people who we love. Definitely. Um, so are they back together? Are they not back together? And this was of 
unique interest to me because Andrew Gardadero, uh, our colleague at The Ringer, uh, was a dedicated watcher of the Kristen Cavallari reality show and specifically the Jay Cutler aspects of the yes. Kristen Cavallari uh, reality show and frankly only the Jay Cutler aspects of the Kristen Cavallari reality show. And through that coverage, I did not, uh, I was not under the impression that it was like a happy marriage in any way, shape or form. Yeah, so correct. I just want to say, I believe, I, I never thought this was an indication they're back together. Okay. Um, Kristen Cavallari is like really... Uh, deliberate with her Instagramming, I would say, like to portray herself in one way or another. She's savvy. She always has been. I would say that Kristen we met as a teen, as a sophomore or a junior, whatever it was, at Laguna Beach High School, is still, that essence is still there. And so essentially they broke up. A lot of rumors about why. It's kind of tangential at this point. And then a few months ago, Kristen was seen, I think on Instagram Live with her best friend, Justin Anderson, and two of the guys from Southern Charm, Austin Kroll and Craig Conover. I just want to say Southern Charm is a show that I watch and I'm incredibly embarrassed to do so because everyone on it is basically a bad person. And some people on it are horrible people. Craig, I have soft spot for, but I wouldn't say he's like, you know, keeping our democracy alive. And Austin, I cannot stand. It was implied, I think, that Kristen and Austin like had some kind of fling. And Austin has spent the last like three seasons of Southern Charm fighting with his on-again, off-again girlfriend named Madison. Madison was rumored to be hanging out with Jay Cutler in the wake of Kristen hanging out with Austin. So it was like two couples. Oh dear. Coupled up. And then I think what I believe happened is Madison did like some kind of Instagram live where she like insinuated her relationship with Jay and like said, insinuated stuff about Kristen, mentioned Kristen and Jay's kids. And that made Kristen and Jay very mad. And so then in response to that, this was directed at Madison, I believe. But I guess you could also interpret the, the Instagram you referred to, the world is full of users, 10 years, can't break that, the picture of the, the coordinated post, I believe was, was directed at Madison for just being like, don't talk about our kids, back up, like we're fine, we're co-parenting. The notion that Jay Cutler is co-parenting is so absurd because he was never really parenting to begin with, as far as I can tell. But the point is that like Kristen and Jay are like asserting that they are more famous. They have a stronger connection. Whatever's going on in their lives is like, does it has nothing to do with Madison and probably Austin and Craig. And then after that, Madison retaliated by posting texts between her and Jay, making it clear like they did really have something it was about like him coming to visit her, but the texts were fishy. And a lot of people have speculated that Madison deleted certain texts mm-hmm. or had sent voice memos that, you know, they, they, um, disappear after the recipient listens to them. I, I love voice memos and send them frequently. So I'm very familiar with this. Um, and so people felt that Madison wasn't really showing the full scope of the conversation. And so she was like being manipulative. And I would say like, the corner of the internet that I have read has like fallen on the side of like team Kristen and Jay of like you show them. But I just wanted to note that I think everyone involved has like questionable moral fiber at best. Okay. I, so this is interesting. I had no idea about part two of this story. Like I frankly had never heard of this person until Madison LaCroix. She sucks. She's really pretty and she sucks. Okay. She's like mean. 
Yeah. In general, you know, we were talking about boundaries and putting everything out there. And as soon as you said this person that you've never heard of posted a bunch of private texts in order to prove that she has like a somewhat tangential relationship to another person who is on a reality show. I was like, oh, okay. So I know this person is bad because that's violating the boundaries of what I need to know. (laughs) Um, That's just, maybe I don't even, maybe that's not a character judgment. It's just not a person that I'm interested in because I'm like, "Eh, all right, that's, everything was already clear to me and I didn't need this confirmation, but, but, but there you go. Yeah. So that, that's the drama. I would never cross Kristen Cavallari. I would just want to say like, I I think that's wise. I don't think I could really. I don't think I could win in a fight with Kristen. I don't think most people could win in a fight with Kristen. She's scary. And all this is in service of her, like, is it a fashion or a lifestyle brand? Um, it's like a lifestyle. It's a fashion brand. It's called Uncommon James. I'm sure they've done like other stuff as well, but yeah. Um, it's just in service of her being famous, right? Like she probably makes a bit more money off of, I don't know. I actually don't know what her revenue streams are. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, this is all in service of them staying famous essentially. Right. Which is how they make money. Yeah. And you have to love attention for this kind of shenanigans, right? Like you just have to like literally thrive off of it. So yeah. Well, that's it. Now, you know, there you go. It's great, great stuff. Um, thank you so much for listening to jam session. Check out Ben Affleck on awards chatter, the podcast, check out Ben Affleck with Sasha Baron Cohen on YouTube on the varieties page and, um, check out everything on the ringer.com. Cause it's great. It's called movie week over there. So check it out. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.